Welcome to episode eight of the Telcom Corner Cafe podcast. I am your host, Sean Sheedy, and it's hard to believe it's already time for another episode. Well, in episode seven, we left off on the beginning of discussing OTDRs. And like I mentioned in episode seven, we're probably going to have multiple episodes talking about OTDRs as they're the most elaborate piece of test equipment commonly used in the industry. So we left off talking about some basic functions and I wanted to get a little bit more in depth of those starting with the range button. And you'll find that the range button and the pulse width buttons are directly related to each other. And what I mean by that is, yes, the shorter the distance of the fiber that you're measuring, the lower pulse width selection you will make. In other words, the shorter pulse width selection. For example, if you're measuring just maybe a half a kilometer, maybe you'll use a three or five nanosecond pulse width selection because you won't need that much optical energy. You don't want to blind your electronics. And that's the interrelation between those two functions. The greater the distance, theoretically, the longer pulse width that you'll need to select. So for example, you have like a 20 kilometer length of fiber that you're testing. You might want to select a 10 nanosecond or a 30 nanosecond pulse width. Again, like we talked about in episode seven, you want to select a pulse width that does two things. You want to make sure it adequately displays the information you're expecting to see on the trace cleanly, but you don't want to oversaturate or blind your OTDR. You'll also notice, and this is the reason I've kind of put these two functions together of the basic ones we've talked about, the longer the pulse width selection you choose, the greater distance options you have to select from. In other words, if you're dealing with a short distance of cable, the OTDR on the pulse width function automatically grays out or doesn't give you the option to select very long pulse widths. It's kind of a built-in safety function. It knows that you would have no reason to select that long or powerful of an optical pulse width for that short a distance. And it knows that because it would greatly expand, if not obliterate your trace symbols on the screen. You wouldn't be able to see splices, connections, beginning of fiber, end of fiber, reflective events, reflective ends, all kinds of issues. Also equally as important, it knows it would blind the machine. And one thing that the OTDR's laser is extremely sensitive to is excessive energy. Lasers have tremendous abilities to travel great distances without requiring that much power. It makes them very efficient and tremendous for the selection as the light source for single mode systems. So if you overpower the unit, you can blind it. Think about that in a scenario similar to you looking at the sun with your eyes. You take a look at the sun and you kind of shake your head and go, whoa, that hurt. Same exact thing happens to an OTDR. You're oversaturating its detector. So you're raising the heat element to the device, which can create all kinds of drifting issues. It can make your dead zones or what some people commonly call blind zones. And this is the reason why that term blind zone has become more common is it's washing out areas of the fiber that you can't see. Therefore, you can't make measurements with it anymore. So the OTDR is blind to those regions of events that are so overexpanded, it can no longer define them both in signature trace format on the screen and within your loss table information at the bottom or the top of your OTDR, depending on what manufacturer that you're working with. So it's very important. And for that reason, a lot of people will say, well, that's why I use the auto test function. Auto test functions are great. They're a very, very convenient function, a 
very, very convenient feature. It's been a great addition by the manufacturers. That being said, though, sometimes you need expert, manual, or individual control over your unit. Either you need to get in really, really tight to see something, or you need to just get something more defined and more accurate because of the numbers you're under the responsibility of accepting, either by your customer, the industry standards, your company's expectations. You don't obviously want to add things to events, which caused them to fail because they're excessive in numerical value when they really weren't. It was just a question of moving markers, setting up your machine properly, and such things that we'll get into more detail of. So although auto test function is convenient for a lot of these settings, sometimes you need to have a more manual control over those. So when you're dealing with your distance, it's really important to realize you want to set the distance in such a way that maximizes what you will see on the screen. Why not use the whole screen? Why squint at just a small section of it? If you can expand and utilize the entire screen, makes your life easier, causes less fatigue for your eyes, also eliminates chances of errors being committed as far as what somebody saw, what they thought they saw, gives a clearer picture. So utilize the whole machine. It's there already. Why not utilize it? But your pulse width is directly related to that distance selection. One of the things that I always ask people to do with OTDRs, whether it's in the field, whether I'm working in a training environment with them, whatever it might be, is to play with those particular settings and see the effect visually. Forget about all the numbers and all the technical things. Generally, people's perception is what they see. So with that in mind, if you set up your OTDR, let's say you have a 10 kilometer cable to test. You set up your OTDR for 10 kilometers or maybe 15 kilometers. That way your end of your fiber that you're testing isn't right on the very edge of the OTDR and you can actually see the noise floor beyond that. So you can actually see separation from your fiber knowing when it actually ends to there not being anything out there based on your setup. Then play with the pulse width option and set it purposely at the very lowest pulse width option. You'll see inevitably a lot of noise in that trace. Move it up incrementally. Watch the trace get cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. Because one of the biggest questions with OTDRs is, what is the optimum pulse width that I can always set my OTDR at to use? Unfortunately, there isn't an answer to that. Now, that being said, there's a range, but there's not a specific pulse width. 90% of what you generally will test with an OTDR, you will set your OTDR up with a pulse width of somewhere between 30 nanoseconds and 275. That will take care of the bulk of the fiber that you will test distance wise. On occasion though, there could be a shorter fiber, which will require less than 30 nanoseconds. And there could be a really, really long distance fiber that you might have. And that really, really long distance fiber might require that 500 nanosecond, one microsecond, five microseconds, 10, even 20. But that's what I was talking about earlier. When you select that, say, shorter distance on the range selection setting, you won't have those microsecond options to be able to select from pulse width because it knows inherently, when I say it, the OTDR knows inherently that that is way too much optical energy to ever send down that short a distance of optical glass. So it prevents you from not being able to read a completely overexpanded trace that you'll never be able to figure out. And more importantly, it prevents the OTDR itself from getting damaged because that amount of concentrated light will create intense heat and lasers are very susceptible to heat related issues that are not very fond of it. But when you're setting your pulse width, notice how the trace changes, not only from the fact of having a lot of noise, like we were just talking about to getting cleaned up, but also the distance of your events. For example, especially with connectors, commonly known as reflective events on an OTDR. 
you'll see the height of the spike increase or decrease. You'll also see the width of the event change. And that width of the event represents what's commonly called a dead zone. A blind zone is another term for it. It's the region of glass that the OTDR can now not make measurements within. It can't see it. It's blind to it. It's a recovery zone, if you will. So the width of that spike, what that told you in time is literally from its beginning to its end, where it started from and where it finally recovered at is a blind zone or a dead zone or a recovery zone. You can't make any measurements within that. There's nothing to make measurements to or with. So the narrower you can make that, the better, because it means the more fiber you can actually see and measure. Why would that matter? Well, if you don't have your OTDR set up right, let's say you have a substation that you're going to. You're plugging your launch cord into the front of that patch panel. You have a connection. If your optical pulse width isn't set properly, let's say just outside that door that you just walked through to get in that substation, you know there's a splice case. It's less than 100 feet from inside the closet or the regen station. You won't see it. It will never see that event. It will be hidden or captured within that initial reflective event because your optical pulse width is set too high. So it can actually prevent you from seeing events. Now, some people would argue and say, well, if I can see beyond that, though, I know the splice is good. That's true. But your customer, or even if it's your company that you're doing the work for, let's say you work for a telco, just as a random example, you're doing the testing for those substations in that area. They are going to want all those events documented on their signature traces, whether it be in a paper copy, a flash drive, PDF, whatever they're looking for, JPEG file, you name it, they're going to want to see, and when I say they, engineering and management is going to want to see verification of all those events. So those two functions are very tied together as far as the distance you've selected and the necessary pulse width you will select in order to give you the cleanest trace. So once you've selected a pulse width, and let's say you've gone through three or four of them, and you have selected the pulse width that gives you the best visual verification of your signature trace on the screen, and is causing the least amount of expansion of your events and everything's nice and narrow and tight and clean. That is the optimum pulse width for you to use for that. Another feature that we talked about last week was average time. Duration, if you will. How long do you want to test? Why would anybody select three minutes? for a test. Because if you think about that, most of the industry requires or wants or would prefer people do, it doesn't always happen, dual wavelength bidirectional testing. Let's just take single mode because that's the most common application for OTDRs. That means you're testing at 1310 and 1550 in both directions. So if each one of those tests took three minutes, that's 12 minutes of fiber. Let's say you have 432 fibers, 864, 2,148. It keeps going all the way up to 6,912 with some of the spider rib fiber designs. That's a lot of glass. And at 12 minutes of test, when somebody says to you, hey, where are you going to be next week? You'll know because you're still going to be in that closet testing that cable because that's a long time for testing. As bizarre and unusual as that would be to do, there is a legitimate reason for that setting or if you will, the longer settings on the average time or duration knob today. Like we talked about last time, the OTDR technology and quality of machines have improved dramatically as everything else has over time. And initially, people were under the assumption that the longer you tested for, the more accurate the test. That was quickly determined not to be true, and most testing occurred somewhere between as little as three seconds up to maybe 10. And, and a lot of people I know today 
they're happy with five. As long as it gives them the information and the clear picture they want, why make it last any longer than you need to? That being said, the uses today for those two and three minute times that you have options of are for the really, really long cable. And I'm going to tie distance and optical pulse with an average time all together here. Let's say you had a cable that was long enough. You had the max selections on each one of those. You had the max distance selected, you had the max pulse width selected, and now you've selected the max average time. The reason for those long duration options at that point is you have no more optical energy to provide. You've selected the largest or longest optical pulse width option you have on the menu. That's it. That's the maximum energy of that OTDR. So the only thing you can give it more of to conduct that test is time. And by giving it more time, you allow that distance to be able to settle down, clear up, and present you a picture that you can visually verify and see on the OTDR screen. So that's why those longer times of duration and under average time options exist because everybody's like, why do we even have those today? Because sometimes you don't have any more optical energy. You have no more choices to provide that. So if that's the case, the only option you have is a longer time to select to be able to give the unit more time to average out that so it can provide you a picture that isn't extremely noisy and it's actually visible, readable, presenting the events and the information you want to see so that you can actually properly document the trace. On that note, that concludes episode eight of the Telecom Corner Cafe. I'm your host, Sean Sheedy. And as I said, we're going to be continuing this for multiple episodes as it's an in-depth topic. I look forward to being back soon with episode nine. Thanks again for tuning in.